When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. The Zone. If Mary had a little lamb, you can bet she'd talk to her about it. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, a couple different things we're talking about on this Monday. The weather has definitely changed since we spoke on Friday. Some folks have snow on the ground. Others went through a little sleet. And for the rest of us, well, drive pavement at least starting us off this morning. Stumach will join us with weather details in just a little bit. The forecast that I've got in front of me today calling for windy conditions. 26, the expected high today with overcast clouds. Tomorrow, same thing, 22. Wednesday, some sunshine, 30 degrees. Thursday, snow in the forecast and 37. Stumach's got our weather details coming up. Also, recapping some of the conversations we had over the weekend at the 102nd meeting of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation. Stick around for all of it. Overlook Farms. Hello, sir. Do you have a minute to chat about the beef jerky of the month? A minute? (laughs) I've got hours. What? Because Ingenia Herbicide from BASF has the lowest use rate, I covered more soybean acres more efficiently. If now's not a good time... Thanks to Ingenia Herbicide, I've got plenty of time. What flavors you got? Oh, we've got barbecue, jalapeno... Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA-restricted-use pesticide. Every application of Ingenia Herbicide requires the use of a pH-buffering adjuvant. Additional state restrictions may apply. Always read and follow label directions. You know, I think most of us consider ourselves pretty fortunate that weather has been mild so far in December. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. I'll tell you, I remember growing up on the farm when the weather started to give us those sub-zero temperatures and snow started to pile up. Every task you did in the dairy was tough. From thawing out drinking cups to trying to get uh, motors running, it just is a pain every day. The good news is the weather's so far been cooperating. You know, some of the pains that our dairy farmers experience, Bob, though, aren't related just to weather or trying to get tasks done day to day on the farm. It's not. It's finding workers now to do those jobs of thawing out those water cups and getting engines started and all those sorts of things. Bob Osel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn as more and more of our dairy farmers are becoming uh, more farm managers. That means they have to find employees. And it's not uh, an easy situation now. Talked recently at our NAFB convention in Kansas City to Brody Staple, and Brody is president of Edge Dairy Farmers Cooperative. He runs the Double Dutch Dairy in eastern Wisconsin. And uh, workforce is definitely an effort that uh, EDGE is working on as the Congress is batting a bill back and forth on what to do. And as a farm employer, we asked Brody what he sees as the outlook for finding employees for dairy farms in the future. You know, I think there's different segments in agriculture, right, Bob? I mean, we've got a lot of the fruits and nuts out on the West Coast, and then we've got some of the poultry and hog industries and processing. And if you think about dairy, we can't turn those cows off at the end of the day or at the end of the month, right? they got to run year-round. So it's a little bit different 
perspective from a dairy, coming from a dairyman, right? We need a reliable year-round workforce. So a lot of the programs that are out there, the seasonal temporary work visas, don't work for dairy. So yeah, it's grim. There's a lot of struggles out there, you know. And as farmers make better use of technologies that are out there, right? We we maybe rely a little bit more on technology than workforce, and so there's there's always innovation happening in in those areas as well. But uh, it's it's a real deal trying to get these cows milked. It's nothing new, labor challenges. We've got the H-2A visa program, but that's temporary workers. I mean, in dairy, as you said, we're not picking watermelons for six weeks and then they're done. But it just seems that it falls on deaf ears when it gets to Washington or somebody wants something in, in trade-off to vote for such a bill. How frustrating is it to go out there? They know it's an important issue, but they want something in return all the time rather than solve these problems. And Edge Dairy Cooperative is very engaged in these sorts of things. How frustrating is it? Yeah, it's frustrating, you know, but it's not something we're going to give up on, right? You know, No, you can't give up on it. I think that what compounds it even more now is that there's a lot of other people looking for help, too. I mean, everybody, rural America, downtown, wherever you go, everybody's looking for help, right? So now we're competing with the general workforce for that same workforce. So um, it's frustrating, right, it's, especially as you see a disconnect between rural America and Washington, D.C., as, as people move to town and, and we're losing our farm senators one by one. We're slowly losing that voice. So. You know, Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative is is so much more crucial in this conversation is the work that we're doing behind the scenes and actually bringing our membership to the Senate the Senate and the congressional offices and having those conversations, building those relationships so that when there's questions that come up with, with bill writing and in the process that they can come back to us and ask for our input. What's the status? We do have a, a workforce bill in Congress. What's the status of it? What's holding it up right now? And what are the likelihood that the Senate will take it up and vote for it? Yeah, you know, we were we were encouraged to see it make it through the uh, House. You know, it's it's not a perfect bill by any means, right? You know, it, there's a limit on the number of year-round visas that we can get. Um, so, you know, now we're coming to crunch and we're getting closer to the midterm elections. So it, some of these things kind of get pushed back and. You know, it's it's politics, right? And people people want to vote for something if it's going to get them reelected. So it's it's definitely a challenge. It's but we're not taking our eye off the ball. Well, there are a lot of other issues that that we have here, as far as the dairy industry concerned, labeling is one. Global markets, they say, demand is up around the world for dairy products, but yet you'll see the class three doesn't necessarily reflect that. That's frustrating. Yeah, it is a bit frustrating. You know, there's so many factors in that. It's, it's you know, pointing your finger to one issue is, is really difficult, right? But we were encouraged uh, a couple of years ago to get some trade deals knocked out of the park. And, you know, the phase one China deal, really, we were starting to move some dairy. And, and you know, we see some big markets that, you know, in the next five to ten years are really going to open up for American dairy. And, you know, a lot of times farmers can be short-sighted, but really you got to look long-term. How can we build those foreign relationships and 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 make a product and innovate and, and have a product that those people want right you know pizza cheese in america isn't exactly what the pizza cheese has to be in japan so you know making that tweak and and making that product and 
uh, continuing to explore other opportunities. How engaged is EDGE as far as trade deals are concerned, both bilateral and multilateral, because as you said, we can produce a lot more than we can consume here. Yeah, it's it's important, you know, as dairymen continue to improve their operations, efficiencies, and producing more milk, and, you know, we're seeing domestic consumption rise, which is great, and the cheese and the, and the butter side of things. Um, so we need to continue to find those export opportunities. I think that um, wherever we can, you know, we're... We're encouraged, you know, I think that this administration isn't going to be nearly as active in seeking out those relationships like the previous administration was, but, you know, we continue to have conversations with USTR and, and USDA and, and to move this product and, and, and to continue to build those relationships so that when it does happen, we're a source and we can be there to help. Of course, being on the, on the dairy farm, you're very conscious of what's going on on the land. The pressure from environmental concerns... Uh, animal rights groups, you got to be engaged in a lot of different areas. Yeah, you know, uh, climate sustainability seems to be some of the buzzwords that are going around in Washington, D.C., and you know, that conversation cannot be had without agriculture, and specifically dairy farmers. You know, if you think about the dairy cow and just the sustainability around a dairy cow and how she, what she eats and returns to the land. And, and when we're done with that cow, we can turn her into hamburger. And, you know, it's such a great story that so oftentimes it's, it's really easy to throw mud at farmers, but really the story begins on the farm. And as we uh, go forward, of course, we're looking at these issues that just will not be resolved. The labor issue is one. Labeling is another one as far as real dairy products and geographical indicators, you know, mozzarella cheese can't be labeled mozzarella and sold in some places. I mean, the progress is frustratingly slow. It is, you know, nothing moves quick in this industry and especially when you talk to Washington, D.C. But, you know, we have, we have persistent farmers that are in it for the long haul, right? So we're going to keep on. As we go forward, are you guys heading to Washington anytime soon and have you got an agenda set up as far as what you want to discuss with whom? Yeah, so we we are heading there in March. We've got to fly in with our members. Um, we've got staff that goes there from time to time uh, in between that, but we're bringing a, a, a plane load, or not a plane load, but a bus load of farmers down to Washington in March. And we, uh, you know, we've got these top line issues that we're going to continue to work on. You know, we're getting closer to the next farm bill. So, you know, trying to find the key people there in those areas that are going to be writing that farm bill, uh, getting involved in some of those conversations. What are some of the things as far as dairy that you'd like to see in the farm bill? I mean, we've got dairy programs in the current farm bill, but going forward, what would you like to see? Enhance or tweak those programs or move on to other areas? Yeah, I think there's some room for improvements. You know, when the uh, in the last farm bill, when they redid the DMC program, I think it worked really well for, for a lot of farmers, right? But it, that capping that at 5 million pounds, I think we need as, as dairy farmers and the size of dairy farms continues to grow. It's a great program if you're milking 200, 250 cows. But I think as we continue to grow in the industry, we need to make that program a little bit more available for the, the next tier size of farms. So there's, there could be some 
some tweaking there. Um, and there's, you know, I think more than anything, as, as I mentioned before, you know, building that relationship with those people, with the farm, with the people that are going to be writing the farm bill. You know, we, we don't have uh, the congressman from Minnesota anymore, um, Mr. Peterson. You know, and Pat Roberts, and so some of these champions of the farm bill are gone. And and so making sure that we have the right people at the table and writing that writing that bill is is crucial. Getting back specifically to Wisconsin, how comfortable are you being a dairy farmer yourself? with our infrastructure for dairy as far as uh, plants and usage and movement of product? I think we're pretty blessed in Wisconsin. You know, we've got a lot of processing capacity. We've seen product rolling into Wisconsin to get processed and moving out again, right? We still see a lot of that. I think that, you know, in Wisconsin, you know, personally, we're set, right? We've got a cheese plant. There's there's a lot of demand where we ship our milk. Um, and I, and I think Wisconsin is set up, right? Granted, now on the regulatory side, right, there's not a lot of new dairies being built in Wisconsin because we are at capacity and, and it costs, costs money to, to build those production plants. But uh, also just on the regulatory side, it's, it's getting pretty tough to deal with some of the regulation here as far as new dairies. I think a farmer will tell you that the first thing, and correct me if I'm wrong, the one word they hate the most is regulation. Yeah, you know, love it or hate it, we got to deal with it, right? And that's why that's why Edge is here, and our sister organization back in Wisconsin, the Dairy Business Association, is is doing a lot of work in that avenue as well. And we've become a trusted partner with farmers uh, in Madison and Washington D.C. Milk and cows is a big job. Dealing with policy like you do as president of the co-op is an even bigger job, and sometimes I think it is, you know. But uh, sometimes it's nice to get away from the ladies and focus on people. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Brody, thank you. You bet. Thanks, All Bob. right, Brody Staple, again, Double Dutch Dairy in the Cedarburg area, president of Edge Dairy Cooperative with us in Kansas City. I'm Bob Bosold. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Imagine a brand new maintenance-free look for your home's exterior. Have Prairie Exteriors show you options like architecturally designed siding, which can give you the look of cedar without the worry of woodpeckers or painting. Improve the look and value of your property with one of the area's highest rated exterior companies, Prairie Exteriors. Prairie Exteriors, now that's impressive. PrairieExteriors.com When you choose from several options, you're likely going to save money. That's what a family-owned, independent insurance place like ours can do. When other companies offer you only one solution, Madison's Prairie Land Insurance Agency offers you a wide array of personalized, affordable options. Is your current policy really the best? Talk to Prairie Land Insurance Agency, your local, independent, home and auto insurance agency. For your free insurance review, call 251-3009. Prairie Land Insurance Agency. Our best is the very least we can do. Looking for that unique, one-of-a-kind engagement ring, something that you can customize yourself, maybe a gorgeous pendant necklace, diamond earrings. The place to go, Goodman's Jewelers. They're an icon in Madison. They've been around forever and right on State Street in their same location, a couple blocks from the state capitol. They're the place to go to when it comes to buying jewelry. Goodman's Jewelers has everything from the more traditional style jewelry for your engagement rings, pendants, necklaces, earrings, to the more 
modern styles as well. They can customize and create anything for you. Unique, funky diamonds, one-of-a-kind pieces, stuff you won't find anywhere else, and price range for everyone. When you step into Goodman's Jewelers, you'll feel the warmth and you'll feel welcome. They'll treat you just like family. You want to go somewhere where you can trust when you're buying jewelry for that special someone? Then remember my friends and family at Goodman's Jewelers. Right there, a couple blocks from the state capitol on State Street. Goodman's Jewelers. Rough hands, dirty boots, and farming roots. It's all we know. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Boy, talk about dry air. Really noticed it this weekend in Wisconsin Dells with the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation's 102nd Annual Convention. That hotel air was just dry. I think a lot of dry air all around Wisconsin despite the temperatures. Let's talk about it. Time for a Compure Financial Ag Weather Update. Stu Muck, our ag meteorologist, joining us. You know, despite the fact that we do have precipitation in the forecast later this week, doesn't it seem like this is really a dry air mass overall it is overall but you know that cold air as it comes in at this time of the year it tries to dry that air mass out wrings out the moisture squeezes out i guess be more official where you get that little bit of snow and those several inches that have fallen in northern wisconsin yesterday and the scattered light snow still around even today radar indicating that little band of flurry and light snow activity just trying to pull a bit east from the cross and scattering down through south-central Wisconsin. Just not going to be that big of a deal. But there is a weak front dropping through the state today, and that's why we have that little light snow, and it could linger around this morning in eastern Wisconsin even into the afternoon. I think the bigger factor than dry air, or even just a little bit of that snow, and the winds we have, the wind advisory for many of us in the west, at least through 9 this morning, in the east until 3 this afternoon, not just all of that put together. There's going to be the fact the temperatures fall. They get colder as this day rolls on and will be a lot colder overnight and on into the day Tuesday. So a cold air, real December-type air mass is settling in and is going to kind of take hold of us with that cold air around a small chance of some light snow in the day Tuesday. You know, that cold weather flurry, the flakes could be big and shiny, but that may be about all there's going to be, and the activity will be tapering off. There will be some sunshine this week for a time, but temperatures getting and staying colder than normal for a few days, moderating again toward the end of the week with a little more likelihood of maybe some measurable snow as we head toward the end of the week as well. I'll have forecast details right after this. Badgerbean.com puts the Wisconsin soybean farmer first. And it's your place to go for the latest soybean news and research from leading industry experts. Simple, easy-to-access resources for the betterment and advancement of a sustainable soybean industry right here in Wisconsin. Badgerbean.com, an invaluable tool constantly updated for Wisconsin soybean farmers. For info and the latest updates, find us on Facebook and visit badgerbean.com today. As a proud sponsor of the WIAA, they care about your community like you do. They believe the communities that support their athletes are the true champions. Visit RuralMutual.com slash WIAA to learn how they support high school athletics. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. All righty, Stu, let's have some of that weather detail, which I think is going to be changing. Yeah, it will be. And there's a wind chill advisory till 9 a.m. this morning. Lacrosse, Boston, Eau Claire, 3 p.m. for Madison, Beaver Dam, Fond du Lac, Oshkosh. 
Now, I do expect clouds and light snow will be ending. Skies clearing first in the west toward midday, early afternoon, late in the day further east. And temperatures will fall into the mid and low teens, even some single digits in the west, with the west winds gusting up to 25, 35, 45 miles per hour yet today. Then those clouds redevelop a bit here later tonight. But it does get cold. We fall down to single digits or just below zero in the west. And wind chills overnight. Could be definitely falling down to five or even ten below. Northwest winds will diminish, though, late in the nighttime. Clouds redevelop Tuesday. A little light snow developing in the morning in the west toward midday or later in the afternoon in the east. Very upper teens, low 20s. West winds about five. Some sunshine Wednesday. Sounds a lot nicer. We could be around 30 or so, at least the upper 20s in the west. South winds at five, but then some snow. And it may be measurable, Pam, to wrap up the week. We'll keep an eye on that one here as we move on through. All right, Good enough, buddy. Thank you. We'll catch up with you tomorrow. Stu Mocker, Ag Meteorologist, with your Compure Financial Ag Weather Update. Compure Financial is your financial partner committed to agriculture and rural America. Visit Compure.com. More from the 102nd Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation's annual meeting in Wisconsin Dells coming up. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Compere Financial wishes farmers and agribusiness a safe harvest season. Stay in touch with your local Compere team throughout the year to see how they can help make your plans a reality. Exceptional client experience at the heart of everything they do. Visit Compere.com or call 844-426-6733 today. Compere Financial ACA is an equal opportunity lender and provider. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. The Madison Police Department and Madison Area Crime Stoppers need your help with a stolen auto investigation. On November 23rd at 4.47 p.m., officers were dispatched to the 4900 block of Commercial Avenue for report of a stolen auto. While visiting a nearby business, the victim left their 2010 Jeep Grand Cherokee outside with a passenger in the back seat. A man approached the vehicle, opened the door, and forcibly removed the passenger before fleeing with the vehicle. During the scuffle, the passenger suffered an ankle injury. The vehicle was later recovered in Sun Prairie. If you have any information regarding this incident, please contact the Madison Police Department at 608-255-2345. If you wish to remain anonymous, please contact Madison Area Crime Stoppers at 608-266-6014 or on the web at p3tips.com. Individuals contacting Crime Stoppers can receive up to $1,000 in cash rewards for tips that lead to an arrest. Someday, everyone will have an energy-efficient tankless water heater and an endless supply of hot water. Benjamin Plumbing is now an A-certified dealer of Renai Tankless Water Heaters, the number one selling tankless water heater in North America. Renai Tankless Water Heaters are up to 40% more efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot all day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Go tankless. Endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses. I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. Plumbing. 
How is it that we can have smokers' lines without ever smoking? A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Smokers or lip lines can occur not only because of smoking, but other factors such as talking, drinking from a straw, genetics, and age-related fat loss. The most simple and effective treatment for this problem is a combination of dermal fillers such as Juvederm, which can smooth and fill those fine lines as well as hydrate the lips. Also, a neuromodulator such as Botox can be used in small amounts to relax those pursing muscles. At Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie, this treatment results in a natural, more youthful appearance of the mouth and often lasts a year or longer. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. So, you want to drive a Tonka truck? Well, roll up your sleeves and get ready to play in the dirt. Kalani Topsoil is looking for more people that know their dirt. Full-time seasonal positions are open for CDL dump truck drivers. Our family business will make sure you're home every night. There's competitive benefits, and you'll drive updated equipment. Take it from a worm. Trust the guys who know good dirt. Apply at KalaniTopsoil.com. Now that's good pay dirt. Looking for that unique, one-of-a-kind engagement ring, something that you can customize yourself, maybe a gorgeous pendant necklace, diamond earrings. The place to go, Goodman's Jewelers. They're an icon in Madison. They've been around forever and right on State Street in their same location, a couple blocks from the state capitol. They're the place to go to when it comes to buying jewelry. Goodman's Jewelers has everything from the more traditional style jewelry for your engagement rings, pendants, necklaces, earrings, to the more modern styles as well. They can customize and create anything for you. Unique, funky diamonds, one-of-a-kind pieces, stuff you won't find anywhere else, and price range for everyone. When you step into Goodman's Jewelers, you'll feel the warmth and you'll feel welcome. They'll treat you just like family. You want to go somewhere where you can trust when you're buying jewelry for that special someone? Then remember my friends and family at Goodman's Jewelers. Right there, a couple blocks from the state capitol on State Street. Goodman's Jewelers. What are the Rams, Robbie? Obviously, you got a lot of names, right? You got a lot of names on paper. What are the Rams? Are they one of the best in the NFL? Are they a Tier 2 team? And how big was that win for the Packers over the L.A. Rams? Yeah, there, there, there was a tremendous buzz around the stadium that day, Evo, just, you know, going in and, um, you know, throughout the game. It, it You know, it, it felt it felt like a playoff game. It really did. I, I don't have a good answer evil for you what the Rams are they they, they kind of remind me a little bit about uh, you know kind of like these NBA super teams that put together a lot of names and yeah. then it never quite works out you remember the one year where where the Lakers added like Carl Malone and Gary <laughs> Payton and yep. guys like that and I think to go with Shaq even at that time and stuff and, and it Steve totally Nash. blew up on them Steve Nash right I mean it it, it, it feels a little like that to me, Evo, right now. Um, you know, because when, when, when you have six, seven stars, elite, elite players like you do that are going to gobble up two-thirds of your salary cap, you, you know you, you've got subpar starters at another five, six, seven spots on the field. Now, you know, the one thing I'll, I'll give Brian Gutekunst just a ton of credit for, Evo, is, you know, Green Bay has – I don't think they have quite the same level of star power maybe that, that the Rams do, but it's close. And then just top to bottom, that roster 1-53 to 
has been so complete, and, and you've seen that through the course of this year as, as they've suffered not just injuries, Evo, but you know we're, we're talking in, injuries to eight of their better 20 players. And and they just have the next guy step up and step in and and they don't miss a beat. I mean, I would argue Green Bay and and maybe in Tampa Bay and probably Baltimore have the deepest rosters in football. And and that's why they're nine and three here at the break. Yeah. I don't have a good I, I don't have a good answer for you what the Rams are and where they're going for here. Uh, but but but, but man, the Packers look good beating them, didn't they? If you if, if you'd ask me the same question though about the Packers, Evo. I would say that's a team heading toward thirteen and four or fourteen and three. God, I love that. Yeah, names on the Rams, right? Uh, are you ever going to confuse Jalen Ramsey for Rasul Douglas? Rasul Douglas named the <laughs> NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Jalen Ramsey got beat by Aaron Rodgers on nine toes, and Devonte Adams, when covered by Ramsey, ate him for lunch. It was a it's a hell of a game. But you, you brought up the name Brian Gutekunst, Robbie, a guy who was public enemy number one in the offseason for what you know he did to Aaron Rodgers. If you ask the fan base, now Rodgers looks like the enemy because of you know you know what some reporters say of uh, misleading them but now Gutekunst with players like Devondre Campbell you got Rasul Douglas can you speak on Brian Gutekunst and what he's done for this team that's kind of been a mash unit Evo when you think back to the to the group he took over from Ted Thompson you know coming off I mean I mean they, they, you remember Evo they, they went back to back years seven and nine six nine and one mm-hmm. and 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 Gutekunst has to wear the six nine and one. That that was that was his first year on the job. Um, and but but Evo he took over. You know when 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 he started in whatever it was January of eighteen, I believe. Um, boy, Ted had left him a pretty darn depleted roster. There, they, they they were old. They were aging. They 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 weren't particularly uh, good in a lot of areas. Evo he had missed on a lot of draft picks. And and Gutekunst has completely overhauled this roster, Evo. You know, top to bottom. You know, it, it it started when he had that huge free agency day in March of nineteen when he signed both Smiths and he signed Billy Turner and Adrian Amos. Um and, and Evo, I mean, I think we can go back right now. I, I know they're missing Zedarius this year, but but you you could argue, I mean Zedarius had twenty six sacks his first two seasons with Green Bay. You could argue that he hit home runs on on all four of those guys. Evo, I mean, Adrian Amos is so underrated. He should probably be a Pro Bowl player. Billy Turner has helped hold that line together. Preston Smith did not have a good year in 2020, but he has bounced back. and And obviously, they got two terrific years out of Zadarius, and and they're hoping to get him back for the stretch run. So it started there, Evo, and then I mean, he's he's hit on the on a lot of draft picks. I mean, we're you know, he got beat up for, for a year and a half, two years on Rashawn Gary. Yeah. Rashawn Gary is oh, one of their three best players this year on, on defense. He hit on, you know, Jair Alexander. He hit on Elton Jenkins. And, um, you know, across the board, I mean, this year he's had another really good draft. He hit on Stokes. Myers was headed to, you know, the all-rookie team before his injury. Um, boy, Evo, he's, he's, he's drafted well. You know, the free agent acquisitions he's, he's made have worked out. I mean, even a guy like A.J. Dillon, Evo, you know, he, he took a beating for that pick because people said, you already have Aaron yeah. Jones. Now Dillon's Lyons. beating people yeah. on the field, Rob. Sure she'll stop farming when pigs fly. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, it is going to stay a chilly week, as we would expect, for the first full week of December. Today, daytime highs right around 26 degrees and windy. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy skies in 22. Wednesday, sunshine, only 30 degrees. I'm P.M. Yankee. Now, from the Alcivia Farm News Desk, 
Here's what's happening on a Monday. And since the Badgers are on their way to the Las Vegas Bowl on December 30th, let's keep all of our points of interest in Wisconsin this morning. On this day in 1821, the first Wisconsin post office was established. It was established up in Green Bay. The first postmaster was John Dean, and that office is actually still in existence. The first Wisconsin post office established on this day in 1821. On this day in 1900, Agnes Moorhead was born. Now, for many of you, that name may not ring a bell, but she's best recognized as Indora, Elizabeth Montgomery's overbearing mother mother in the 1960s TV sitcom Bewitched. She actually was born in Massachusetts, but she came and studied at the University of Wisconsin, where she earned a master's degree in English. And here's another one that will surprise many of you that are a little younger. On this day in 1968, the state brought into question legislation that prohibited selling contraceptives, especially selling contraceptives to people that were not married. That include bans on the relatively new birth control pill and condoms. It was considered indecent articles. They started discussing that ban on this day in 1968. There, now you know. Well, we want you to know that many of our Wisconsin deer hunters were successful in their harvest this year. And even now, there is uh, deer hunting that's going on. But the Department of Natural Resources wants to make sure everybody's safe when it comes to consuming those harvested deer. Stephanie Hoff's got more. The DNR says hunters should get their deer tested for chronic wasting disease before eating their venison. CWD is an always fatal disease that affects deer, elk, and moose. Even infected deer can look healthy. So state and national health departments say get your deer tested for CWD regardless of the deer's physical condition. And especially get it tested in areas where CWD is present. Amanda Camps is a DNR wildlife health specialist. She says there's a lot of options for hunters to get their deer tested. This includes CWD testing locations across the state. She says those locations have been well utilized this year. There's a variety of options hunters have available just like other seasons, um, which include our self-serve kiosks. We have a a number of CWD cooperators throughout the state. Those could be uh, taxidermists, meat processors, other businesses that help with CWD sampling. Uh, We have our own wildlife staff um, in every county across the state that can help if there's any um, appointments that are necessary for in-person with hunters. And then our option of uh, kits that hunters can use at home to collect lymph nodes. So they need to get the kit from the DNR and return it to the DNR for testing. And a lot of those options were used uh, throughout the season here. We're still collecting all the samples and getting them entered into our database, getting them sent in for testing. So still looking at um, getting a lot of test results in yet from the nine-day sun deer season. And we do have a webpage on our, one of our CWD pages on our website that shows the number of samples that have been collected and checked in so far for the season, how many of them have test results, and then how many are positive. You can break that down either on a statewide level um, or break it down by county if you're interested. So those numbers are updated as we um, get samples checked in and test results received on our end. 
So there have been some positives detected this year. If you check out that webpage, you can see what counties those positives have been from. The turnaround time for a CWD test is between 10 and 14 days. But since we just came off of the nine-day gun deer hunt, there could be longer wait times. Of course, at some point during the season, especially as we're just ending the nine-day season here where a majority of the CWD samples are collected. It may take a little bit longer than that, just as a higher volume of samples need to come in and get processed and sent in for testing. So it might be a little bit longer than that, uh, but as long as hunters keep their six-digit barcode, they can use that to check their further for their results online or in their Go Wild account. If you're looking for more information on where to get your deer tested for chronic wasting disease, you can visit the Midwest Farm Report. The story to read is After the Hunt, CWD, and Carcass Disposal. There we've got all the ways you can submit a sample, and we've also got the best practices for baiting your deer and disposing the carcass. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff. Overlook Farms. Hello, sir. Do you have a minute to chat about the beef jerky of the month? A minute? I've got hours. What? Because Ingenia Herbicide from BASF has the lowest use rate, I covered more soybean acres more efficiently. If now's not a good time... Thanks to Ingenia Herbicide, I've got plenty of time. What flavors you got? Oh, we've got barbecue, jalapeno... Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA-restricted-use pesticide. Every application of Ingenia Herbicide requires the use of a pH-buffering adjuvant. Additional state restrictions may apply. Always read and follow label directions. Hey, I'd like to invite you to join me tomorrow at 2 p.m., for a virtual tour of our Four Island Hawaii Farm Tour coming up March 21st through April 2nd. I am going to be hosting an online virtual travel show with my friends from Holiday Vacations. If you sit through the information, you'll pick up a $100 travel voucher that you can use. I've got details up at MidwestFarmReport.com, Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook, on how you can RSVP to get the link and join us for that virtual travel show tomorrow, Tuesday, at 2 p.m. Well, markets in overnight electronic trade this morning are in the soft red ink right now. We've got March corn down 2 and a half at 581. January beans are down a nickel at 1262. The wheat for March, that's up a penny right now at 804. But now July wheat's down a quarter of a cent, 794 bushel. No change on Friday, barrel or block cheese, but AA butter did gain two cents to close the week, two dollars and a quarter cents. January milk was up eight at eighteen eighty-five a hundred weight. February milk up seventeen at nineteen twelve a hundred weight. Some special congratulations this morning after the evening of honors in Wisconsin Dells last night with the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation's one hundred and second annual meeting. Congratulations to Jim and Mary Grant from Wapaka County, given the Distinguished Service to Farm Bureau Award for their more than 50 years of dedication to the association. Judy, Julie Wadzinski from Barron County is the state's discussion meet winner and will advance to national competition. Kelly Zahn from the Stockbridge Mosinee community has picked up the Excellence in Agriculture Award and will advance to national competition. Emma Buss, a UW-Platteville student, captured the collegiate discussion meet, and Jeff Hicken's family received the Distinguished Service to Wisconsin Agriculture Award posthumously. More on the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation's annual meeting coming your way next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Educated mortgage is where this way home. Call 
Mortgage Man. In today's ultra-competitive home market, it's important that you have a local lender on your side to get your offer accepted. Sellers and realtors want to work with me because they know there will be no surprises and the deal get done on time. Educated Mortgage, the smartest way home. Call Dan, the Mortgage Man. NMLS number 222-652. You no longer have to hide your hands. Your hands have been taking care of everyone else. Isn't it time that you take care of your hands? A skincare minute with skincare expert, Michelle Neeson. Did you know there are several aesthetic treatments that help your hands look brighter, healthier, and more youthful? Treatments such as broadband light and chemical or laser peels help with tone, texture, and getting rid of those stubborn age spots. Skin type procedures can smooth out wrinkles and fine lines as well as add new collagen. Dermal filler like Restylane Lift is used to improve the volume in the back of the hands. The results are noticed immediately, giving you a fuller, more hydrated appearance. Most treatments can last over a year and are more affordable than you might think. Now you can show off your hands with confidence. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Doctor? Doctor. Tom and Tom of Tom's Auto Center. We offer routine maintenance and precise surgery for your vehicle. Plus, Valvoline professional services to protect the health of your car. Does your doctor give you a warranty? We do. More than mechanics, at Tom's Auto Center, we're more like family physicians for your car. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. Tom's Auto Center. If she's not milking the cows, she's talking about them. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Boy, and the whole Midwest Farm Report crew had a wonderful time on Friday night as well as into the day on Saturday with the young farmers gathered together at the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation's 102nd annual meeting that will conclude today following their business session. I sat down and discussed uh, some of the items that are going to be addressed in 2022 with Kevin Krentz, president of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation. You know, one thing that you couldn't miss was how happy everybody was to be back together again, face-to-face, and getting caught up. Kevin Krentz noticed it as well. Absolutely. Last year worked with the with the virtual aspect because we had to do it, mm-hmm. but people need contact. We have we have so much better impact with each other, so much better connection, so much more networking right. when we can get together face to face. You know, we heard a couple different speakers, but one that pointed out how that time away may have given us a chance to reflect, uh, appreciate what we've got, think about where we're going. Really, yeah, you're you're absolutely right, and I, I hope many people uh, really took that to heart. And and being able to reflect on where we're at, and it's important over the last year, and it's important moving forward. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the energy you're feeling from specifically the young farmer side of the Farm Bureau Convention. That's got to get you excited. Absolutely, I I think here in Wisconsin, here in the Dells. Um, really is a great event to bring a lot of young members together. It's really, uh, it really opens it up for every, everybody from 18 to 35 at, at this facility. And this conference really has something for everybody in that age group. And, you know, the, that age group is really our future. It's, it's looking at the, the seeds that we plant for the future. And um, 
not only within our organizations but within our communities we we have so much so lack of agricultural uh, connection with our communities uh, whether that be town boards whether that be county boards it's important to have some leadership from agriculture and impacts from agriculture on those groups do you think that the paradigm switched a little bit during the pandemic in in respect to what people now paying more attention to where their food comes from oh yes i i think <laughs> I, I think the the difference i think is the connection and the ability to get on the internet I think uh, Zoom and Teams and, and all of those have uh, grown so much and, and gave us the ability to reach out and, and, uh, and even consumers are mm -hmm. researching things more nowadays than what they have in the past. So mm -hmm. they want that connection to go back to the farm plate or to the, to the farm gate. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Let's talk a little bit about where we're going in 2022, Kevin. You know, we said uh, a lot of things got paused in the past year, year and a half. So tell me a little bit about the agenda that you've got in your mind, the board members' discussions going into the new calendar year. You know, the speaker this morning was a, a great uh, part of that. It's about asking the question. Um, there's nothing that's going to be a huge impact immediately, but it's about asking the question and, and moving forward on, on little steps and building that that big thing moving forward. Mm -hmm. Any idea on some of the staple pillars that are going to have to be addressed? Absolutely. Uh, one of them is is uh, sustainability mm -hmm. and uh, protecting the resources we have around us. Um, that's not always just lobbying. Uh, that's getting into schools. That's having that connection with consumers. We talked about uh, internet and, and having those connections. All of that is, is part of uh, having that discussion about sustainability. Well, and Farm Bureau in the past years made a commitment to keeping that as a major focal point for the organization. Tell me about that new sustainability role that's been incorporated into Farm Bureau staffing and projects. Absolutely. So uh, number one, it's, it's making a connection with our members and, and helping understand that our members, that all farms are different and can be sustainable in all one way. Um, so that number one has to be. Uh, the next step is, is making those connections with consumers and continuing to outreach uh, to the consumers, but also working through some of the supply chain, maybe having some discussions with grocers, restaurants. We, we had Culver's mm -hmm. uh, here tonight. Uh, I was, I was uh, fortunate to have a short conversation with Eric tonight. Yeah, and, and like we said, now there's staff members assigned to keeping this focus. Tell me a little bit about that. I, I assume that was deliberate. Absolutely. Um, uh, again, I go back to my comment that uh, sustainability and, and the importance of advocacy mm -hmm. is far more than lobbying. And our PR team and, and uh, the sustainability outreach in, in itself is part, of that, uh, is part of that outreach. Just in the initial phases, are you finding um, non-farm consumers, maybe uh, elected officials, respond differently if they hear a sustainability person's coming to talk to them versus a Farm Bureau person? Well, uh, farmers uh, outright are the professions in their industry, and if they can explain firsthand what they're doing and, and explain it to the person, that builds the, the best connection, that builds the most trust. And sustainability is that buzzword everybody's gravitating toward. 
Absolutely, and it's about defining sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, what, you know, it has to be uh, protecting our soils, protecting our water, protecting our air around us, but yet also being fiscally uh, successful also. And we've got so many of those stories that are already being told, it's just now we're incorporating that phrase. And that's exactly what we're trying to capture to move forward. Mm-hmm. And now let's talk a little bit, of not just on the state scene, you are on the American Farm Bureau Federation board What's the tone of discussion there? You're going to be headed uh, to Atlanta in January for the American Farm Bureau Federation's convention. Give me a little sneak peek, Kevin, in what you believe are going to be some of the real tinderbox issues that are going to be discussed. Well, uh, um, policy-wise, that's a grassroots um, policy that's going to be brought in from all the counties and all the states around the nation. Uh, It is always interesting to sit on the policy floor um, at AFBF and and really uh, gauge and and, uh, see where where different members are coming from, different parts of the country are coming from. What's that like? Tell me more about that, the board's dynamics, because you are people, you're not just board members. Tell me about some of those conversations, what you've learned about other board members. So uh, within the boardroom or within the, the delegate session? The board. Um, the the boardroom, um, you know, and quite frankly, it's it's been a short year, shortened year uh, for yeah. me because uh, we, we didn't travel until right. after right. June. Uh, so it's making a connection with people. But you know, we're having uh, discussions with Ambassador Ty. We're, we're yeah. having major discussions to continue to build uh, success for agriculture. It's really impactful. I've got to believe that trade, supply chain disruptions, no matter what the commodity, I've got to believe you're going to be addressing that. Absolutely. That's, that's a huge uh, item. Um, one thing we, we just discussed with Ambassador Ty here within the last month or two is the next phase with China uh-huh. and, and building that forward. Uh, and, the, and the concerns out there that there potentially may be more tariffs coming uh, in that realm and, and mm-hmm. pr- certainly protecting what we, can, what we can export here from the U.S. Just with that thought in mind, Kevin, advice for farmers that are still a little tenuous about this whole world-changing event we're living through. How are you as a, as a farmer planning and what kinds of advice or questions should they be asking themselves today because of what could be happening next year? Uh, in regards to the supply chain, you know, uh, this really goes back to maybe the mid '80s with with Walmart. Walmart um, and the way they really uh, re reinvented their supply chain. Um, it, it takes money to sit on supply, and every industry across the board fully understand that or understood that over the years, and so every industry moved in that direction. And then when you have a major uh, chain disruption like we just had uh, that's impactful mm-hmm. and uh, it comes down to farms have to make a decision now again as to what they keep for supply on farm as to what they need immediately i'm i'm looking at um, milking equipment supplies maybe some feed supplies that i need to sit on a little longer if there's a tractor part if a tractor goes down yeah. i might I, I have other tractors where i can let that one sit so it, it's a matter of what are you going to sit on and what aren't you going to sit on for the for the meantime he knows all about it kevin krenz a dairy farmer himself from berlin he is the president of the wisconsin farm bureau federation their annual business session will draw to a conclusion.